Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Adam, your host for today, and I'm joined with Jordan Peterson, Timothy Coolidge and Sol Skat Okoa to discuss optimizing cross-departmental communication pipelines. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hello and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Adam, your host for today, and I'm joined by Oscari Pelli, Wade Kanalwachuk, Martin Goldbeck and Johan Lundmark to discuss artistic ambition versus performance limitations. Now, before we jump into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions of who you are and what you do. So, uh, Oscari, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Well... I'm Oscar Ebelli. I'm from Tampere, Finland, and I'm an art director and the only artist at the company called One Trick Entertainment. We have been working our first game uh, called Lembo for a couple of, year, couple of years, and it's coming out uh, this year. Nice. Uh, wait. You know, we cut a wall, Chuck. Uh, good after me, Doug, as they say here in Sweden. Where I come from, we say, how's it going, eh? Um, I am a Canadian animation director and cinematics director, um, originally from the film industry and made the jump into uh, uh, into games because, well, the film industry died and I needed to use my marketable skills to pay my mortgage. Um, I am in Stockholm at Avalanche Studios, where I am currently directing animation for Contraband. Uh, with, uh, I have Microsoft products. Awesome. Uh, Johan? Yes, uh, I'm an art director uh, at Ubisoft Stockholm. I've been there for four years uh, now. It's been going strong. Awesome. And uh, finally, but not least, uh, Martin. Yes, uh, hello. I am uh, an art director at Cybol in uh, Copenhagen, uh, where we make uh, mobile games. Uh, I've been doing that here for three years. Before that, I was doing all kinds of uh, quad freelance jobs. And way back, many, many, many years ago, I worked on uh, console games at Iron Selected, Hitman, Kena Lynch, and games like that. Awesome. Well, thanks for those introductions, guys. And as always, you've each brought a question relevant for discussion around our ambition versus performance limitations. So we'll work our way around the room with each of you posing it and then open the floor to discussion. Uh, so I believe, uh, Oscar, you've got the first question. What is it? Yeah, so as I have been on the in the industry only for a couple of years now, so I'm pretty excited to hear about you guys who have been on in the industry for a lot of longer than me. So is there some performance heavy obstacles that you're encountering all the time that tries to block your artistic execution or, or artistic execution. Yeah, and who wants to jump in first on that one? Well, first of all, I just want to say that, are you calling us old? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Please, don't take me wrong. 
Go ahead, Martin. You've, you've had your hand up. Yeah. So uh, I would say um, the most common performance-heavy obstacle, I would say that's actually being in mobile games. It's uh, we make a game that is played monthly by more than 100 million uh, users. We only do that because we run on super old phones. So everything we do is just incredibly optimized. We have um, we have about sixty thousand polygons, triangles that is on screen at any given time. Uh, the entire world that you run and look at is on one texture map that is five twelve by five twelve. So so everything we do is um, is just crazy optimized, and um, it can feel as if it's trying to block the artistic execution. Uh, but it's also a, I mean, that's, that's, that's just the way things are for us. We have to make things work within those limitations, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wade, I think you're more in the, uh, the console space as opposed to mobile. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I find to be the, the biggest obstacle is, I mean, every console that comes out, the next generation, we start salivating. We start thinking, oh, more performance, more performance, yay. And we think that we're going to uh, to make some leaps and bounds in terms of quality and, and what what's available to us. But unfortunately, uh, as I've learned, and I've only been around in, in this particular industry since PS3, uh, no, sorry, PS2 days. Um, unfortunately, art, sorry, Johan, um, Art tends to suck up all of those resources, um, and, and, you know, we in animation get a small bone thrown to us, um, but maybe we might get a little bit of hair and cloths, um, ooh, but we didn't, we don't get all of the other bells and whistles that we had originally hoped that we might get. In the beginning of the project, we have, we, we sit there and have aspirations of having this, that, and the other thing. We put it all in, in documentation. And the reality of the situation is that once everybody has their this, that, and the other thing all in the same game, it tanks. So, uh, and and like I said, sorry, Johan, I don't mean to uh, throw art under the bus, but uh, that's it. <laughs> well, I've got here a, a response from Johan on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think to me, I, I only give a specific thing necessarily. I think it's typically it comes down to you always having maybe less performance than you thought you'd have. Uh, I think maybe if you're like really deep into a console generation or something like that, you have a pretty good idea of what you can output. But but I think typically comes down to maybe trying too much too early, uh, maybe trying to do too ambitious uh, vertical slices. You know, you, you kind of try a little too hard and then you say, oh, We'll probably make this work um and then at the end you get into the unfortunate position of having to kind of butcher your own scenes just to make it run so i think to me uh, it would be more around managing expectations and be pretty strict early on what you can and can't do which is really hard but all yeah and um, so Oscar, what kind of your thoughts coming from the displays then well guys just answered pretty pretty good on this but i think we can sum this up kind of in the terms of time, time spent on anything, or you know, you have you always have to optimize things, and they cost time. You you have to you know think ahead. Uh, can can you can you use some cloth scenes? Can you use some hair simula- sim- simulations or anything like that? So everything costs time. I think the time is my answer. Also, what is that? Was the uh, the biggest obstacle that you face? I think it's the time. Yeah, because <laughs> you always have to. 
think that time spent on anything. Yeah, I think it's very easy to to jump in and uh, spend ages on it and not realize where the time's gone. Uh, Wait, do you want to jump in then? I think one of the problems is that we we have specs on this new console. We think that it's going to be able to do, do this, that, and the other thing, but nobody really knows what it's going to do. Um, once we hit it, we make our assumptions, whatever, and we, we try to stick within those assumptions, the reality is that our assumptions were off. Um, and then we've got to cut back and, uh, and see, you know, and, you know, where do you draw a line as to, and that actually leads into my question, but, um, where do you draw the line in what you're going to cut out? Yeah, I guess I'll open the floor to, to your question on that front then. <laughs> um, I guess we'll jump to, uh, to Martin first. So my question. Oh, no, no, your response to, to Wade's question. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, but, but, but I, but I think the, um, it doesn't matter, right? What console you work on. It's not even console. It's also in moves, right? Today we, yeah, but like I, I've, I've been working with, uh, CG for 20 years or more, right? And I remember even 10 years ago, the renders that anyone can do on the simplest computer you can buy for money, right? Just downloading Blender, right? That was like days of work to achieve that 10 years ago, right? It's, um, but it's not like everyone is then settled and now things are simple, right? We, we want to move beyond what we can do today, right? So it's, so the sneaking commitment, right? The, the things we want to add and put in there, it's, it's always growing. So I think it's the, so the ambitions, right? And that the ambitions that we have for what we think is going to be marvelous or wonderful, it's, it's always going to move. So it's, it's, there will always be these obstacles, I think, right? Um, the movies that we were sort of blown away when we, when we saw 10 years ago, 20 years ago is when we look at that today, we're all like, what? No, that, why didn't we just leave the cinema after five minutes? Right. It's uh, but we didn't back then because it was amazing. Right. And I think it, it'll be the same, like 10 years from now, when we look at everything we're doing today. Right. So, so I think that the, the, the obstacle is always going to be the steep. You know, we, we want to do way more, right? Then you have some guys that can do super simple graphical games like, say, a game like Limbo, for instance, right? The super simple black and white thing. Right? Yeah. That's, uh-huh. uh, but then you have to go and do really, really, really simple art direction. Be very, so that's a very graphical game, right? It's, uh, but then it's down to the art direction of things. What is it that is super important and what is not? Right. I don't care about normal maps. I don't care about, you know, all these weird, you know, post effects or whatever, because this style is, is, is working. Um, so I think also lack of clear direction is oftentimes an obstacle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Johan, looks like you wanted to jump in there. Yeah. No, I just kind of echo what you just said. I, I do think, because I think that, that ambition is, is tricky to manage because obviously everyone wants to make the best thing possible. So I think it's important that you are very clear on kind of where you are at with the project you are in. What, like, what, what resources do you have at your disposal? Where do you want it to go? And that you then let that kind of feed into your art direction. Because I think kind of wor- working at DICE and then and doing a lot of Battlefield games, we obviously had a pretty strong focus on being the best graphic experience you could have like that was a outspoken goal pretty much like no it needs to look the best and then you know no cost were too, too high to to pay pay so uh but that obviously 
you know, the price is pretty high. So I think if you have a smaller studio or an indie title or whatever, uh, I think you save yourself a lot of uh, uh, issues by having a more streamlined and, and easier to accomplish art direction. And then again, I, I agree, right? Then it's about kind of setting that art direction up and sticking to it, which is also really hard because then you might pitch that to investors and publishers and then go, oh, but why can't it look like this, right? And then I think that's a tricky balance to, to hit. Absolutely. Um, but I know where Wade, <laughs> you're eager to, uh, to ask your question about drawing the line. Uh, so you want to go into that bit? Yeah, I mean, so where do we draw a line and what battles do we fight in in uh, in this? We as directors, you know, we're paid to shoot for the moon. You know, we're, we're, if, if we're just there to say, I'm happy with mediocre, then we're, we're obviously not doing our jobs. We're paid to shoot for the moon, and unfortunately, we do get faced with these obstacles. And, you know, like, our, our tech art directors are not my friend, uh, Tech animation can be my friend. I where I draw the line. I you know I have to be a realist as a director. I need to be able to say, okay, well, you know more about this crap than I do because I mean I'm I'm the least tech savvy person in the world besides my dad. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna say, okay, well, fair enough. And then I'm gonna rely on the rest of my team. I've got you know great tech animators working uh, with us, tech art directors, uh, and. and I'm going to see, see what the next best thing could be for me to, to be able to get there. It, it's not always a satisfactory answer to me. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever worked in a studio that I got everything that I wanted, um, even though it was promised in the beginning. Um, <laughs> and like, like I said earlier, we all have these aspirations of something huge but it can't be attained. So, you know, you, you got to be willing to compromise and, it, you know, so, and got to be able to kill your puppies as uh, one of our EPs used to call, uh, call it, I guess the proper expression is kill your darlings. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately, sometimes that means in my case, clot sim, um, in many cases in cinematics, it's been the, uh, the full performance motion capture and, um, it's been promised to me for ever uh but we've never actually been able to see it through so in terms of the, the, those battles then uh who's got a perspective there that one is like super difficult right where where do you draw the line in in terms of what's possible i think there's 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 two really really important elements in there right one is to actually have art direction and direction that knows what to prioritize what to focus on and especially with you guys that are doing things that are supposed to look photoreal, right? I mean, if, even games today don't really look, they don't hold up to photoreal if you compare everything one-to-one -to, -one to something that's actually photoreal, right? But we are now today at at, at a spot where if, if you look at a FIFA game from, from a distance, like for only a couple of seconds, you could easily mistake that for an actual soccer match on television, right? Because they, they all the right elements, they are there. Right, everything you need to just for you to, or a racing game, for instance, right? Uh, everything that's needed for you to when you just give it a quick glance, think that's a racing game is is in there. Racing games, for instance, they have all these elements that are just beating past, right? Where they they don't put in all the details that you would on the crate that you have to hide behind in your hands game, right? Because that crate is going to be so far off screen and it's going to you know part you with I don't know hundred something kilometers per hour. So it's 
So it really depends what type of game you're working on and, and where do you prioritize, right? But I think it's always getting the, even for, for what we are doing on super simple mobile, uh, you know, and this runner game is like take a couple of steps back from the screen and squint your eyes, right? For me now is I just have to take off my glasses and then that's, that's enough, right? But, but it's that super simple sort of composition there when you just take a quick look at it. If that works, that's what you should go for is what I think, right? And then I think it's super important to have a really, really, really good collaboration between the technical artists and the and directors so that if you are a director that with not a lot or any technical experience or hands-on experience yourself, you need to have those technical guys that want to to achieve the same thing as you as much, right? Um, and if you don't have that, then it's a really good thing to at least have some, you know, level of knowing how to do things so that you could still sit down and at least make a little example and, and you know, try to push things in, in that direction, right? But that's always going to be, be a bad because now in comes the producers and the guys with the budget. So it's, uh, but I think if you want to make something that's really standing out and, and looking beautiful, even if it's like full-blown, like a, a Battlefield or Assassin's Creed or whatever, or simple mobile game, it's you will always have that struggle in order to get there. And you will always end at a place where you, there's, there's a couple of things you still wanted to do better if you had the time to do it. And you tell yourself the next time you will do it better, right? Because if, if you're not there, then it's like, then you didn't really want enough to arrive at, at that, you know, quality. It's um, so, um, yeah. No, there's some really good points you raised there. Um, like I'm really interested to hear, if, uh, Scarry, your your perspective of where you draw the line uh, from the indie perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, as we are only a team of four, so we are so that that small of team. So I can pretty freely test things or, or on myself and for myself as an, I'm only the only artist on our team. But yeah, we always still have all the deadlines and such stuff so i always have to think the time in this one too so is it a case of then like do you like stop yourself when you've got to a certain point like dedicating a set block of time yeah and like once that time I, I, I think I, I have always uh i have always to think how long is something going to take so can I achieve that something some something that I'm doing for the dead deadline so yeah Absolutely. And uh, I guess on the flip side, uh, Yaman, what's your take? Yeah, this this was this would obviously not be based on four people team. Uh, but I think but I think to me to me this is a it's like a multi layered question. I think first it starts with your high level direction and like what is it that you want to accomplish, right? Because it's like what battles do you fight and where do you draw the lines? Like what game are you making? What you know, you should maybe if you have a creative director, executive producer, like, what is the game? What is the product meant to do, right? Uh, I think that's super important that you figure out as a, as a director's group or as a creative leadership team. Um, because I think everything relates to me, at least to kind of making sure you have this kind of creative frames to operate within that you know, like, well, this is, this is where I'm, this is my wiggle room. And then if you know what the product is, that it takes to layer two, right? And you bring to your team, right? These are the most important things for us to hit. And then that combined with, your art direction can give you an idea of, you know, what what you can't miss on uh, and what you can, um, and then and then after that, I think it 
depends a little on, on, on who you are, maybe and as, a, as a leader on what you're doing in your in your team, you see how detailed you want to go. But then uh, I think it's important to have something to lean on. So if you you know if you have to choose between clot sim or not, uh, then I think if you if your game uh, is you know a clot sim simulator. Maybe you shouldn't skip on Clotsim, right? I mean, very simplified example, <laughs> but, but still, it, 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 it's important, right? If you get cohesion between all those parts, then you have a better chance of making good decisions. I think it comes down to expectations of, of the, the, the publisher, um, whether in my case it's Microsoft, in, in, in Johan's case it's, it's Ubisoft editorial. You know, like things are progressing more and more in established titles uh you know take call of duty for example they've been making call of duty uh for years and years and they have perfected it they perfected almost everything about it and then you've got a, a a publisher who and i'm not saying that microsoft does this i'm just you know in general a publisher who compares what we're doing to what call of duty is doing about well, call of duty have had years and years to perfect their art to, to perfect what they're doing in that particular game, we've got a new IP for us to take our tech to the level that can produce that. We need that many years to, to, to get there as well. You know, like they, they, they've been evolving their tech to give them that result where we're, we're with our tech, our current tech and trying to achieve a similar result. And it's just, you know. We have to be realistic to a certain a certain respect. Absolutely, I think uh, one thing is that's kind of come up across the the answers is uh, time uh, in correlation with like uh, you know, the sort of the hardware really. Uh, how much time can we throw at something uh, as well as people? <laughs> um, which I think is a bit of a segue over to to Master's question uh, coming from a recruitment company. It's an interesting question. I'm excited to hear about. Uh, so Martin, what is your question? So my question is, let me just find it here in the chat so I can say exactly what I asked you. So how do you attract and retain the right talent when the specs are super low? Um, I mean, that does not really go for your hand and wait. Maybe, maybe, maybe wait for you. It's, it's even big because you said that you, you want to, you, you ideally want to hire all the guys that could work on, on that Call of Duty title, right? But now they have to work on something that's what you said. The tech is not quite there yet. Uh, but for us, it's actually, I need people that they, they, they probably don't have to be able to do what, what you need in, in, in super, uh, like photo real games, right? But they should be able to sit down and work with, you know, Epic on Fortnite or, you know, do whatever for, um, that Blizzard, you know, anything, right? Is, but we don't have, we, you know, we just have a couple of, of triangles and that 512 by 512 section, right? But if I don't get the right people to do it, it's, it's going to look really, really bad. So how do I, that's, um, do you mean it in the sense of like, uh, an artist who can paint the Sistine Chapel, but you just need them to draw like uh, a cube on a piece of paper? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I need. I so so. I I actually I need Wade to come and help me uh, make in-game cinematics for for my little mobile game, right? That is. Um, and and maybe maybe it's not really an issue for you guys, but it's. Uh, but I thought that was a. Uh, but for me, that's that's an interesting thing. How do I make sure that I that I will attract these uh, people to the company, and how once they are here, how do I make sure that they stick around and they still want to work on this here super simple thing while still being 
some of the best out there. So being Canadian, uh, I, I'm going to say offer beer as part of the compensation package. Part of the lunch. But I mean, I've not always worked on, on AAA content and he, you know, like, no, we're, we're, we're not doing call of duty. Yeah. Alien. And we do need to lure people, people in here with other means, you know, like I tend to rely on the game itself, you know, when I rely on the title, rely on, on the concept of the game, uh, and, and, and sell it to them. And, you know, like. The concept of contraband when when we started this game you know like it was it was exciting it was new it was fresh and that really acted as a draw to uh to outsiders coming in uh, i've worked on in, at wb games on a live persistent world game and um called cartoon planet um you know not the highlight of my career but you know it was it was fun for me being a huge looney tunes then but Again, we have a license there, and that license was the draw for people. You know, the people wanted to to animate Bucks Bunny and Daffy Duck and and all of that cast. Uh, but then the beer in the cafeteria on Fridays helped too. Yeah. Cool, awesome. So I guess in that case, just before we hop over to to Johan, um, it, with Avalanche, there's lots of different titles there. Some titles been there longer than others. So what happens when those games have been out for a while, but actually you need someone to come in and do some stuff on an older game? Well, I mean, it depends. So what we offer in, in terms of um, some of our long-running games like The Hunter is we've got a well-oiled machine. What happens with a well-oiled machine that's already established is that, you know, you, the chance, well, I mean, Avalanche, we pride ourselves on no overtime, but there's even less chance of us even asking about it in a in a a product like Call of the Wild, the Hunter, uh, because it, it just moves. Everybody knows what they're doing. They're it, they're churning through it and getting content out there. The the other smaller games. I mean, it, what's interesting about those is they're self published. We don't have to deal with the uh, the gentleman in Moultrie, um, who shall remain nameless, but. Uh, they don't have to deal with the external publishers that we have to deal with here. You know, it, it's our game um, to do with what we see fit, and and that gives that offers a great deal of um, of ownership over the product to the team. Um, you know, their creative voices are being heard, and they're able to act upon and and feel like they're contributing to the the game as a whole without being overruled by somebody outside mm -hmm. absolutely uh Johan, looks like you want to make a point and jump in there yeah no, i first i think this is a good question because i think also kind of the industry is getting more diverse in the you know the types of games there's a lot of studios out there etc uh but i would say to me i think it's a lot about you know knowing you need to know your strengths you need to know what you know the game you're making why is it good kind of like what we were saying right if you, if you can identify that i think a lot is a lot is gained and i i, I as an example, I can kind of compare between Dice and, and King. I think going to King and working there, I think obviously they knew that the sex appeal of Candy Crush isn't as high as working on the next installment of a blockbuster franchise, right? Uh, but instead, uh, they offer, you know, great work-life balance. They offer great offices. They have all these other perks that makes working there a really great experience. And then when you get there, you also learn that well, actually, these games are pretty involved, right? And, and you, you learn that there's more to it than what meets the eye, because I think that's typically what happens, right? You kind of go with that first glance 
thing, right? Like, no, I want to work in this AAA thing. <laughs> and you go. Um, but for me, for example, going to King was a huge eye opener, like learning about free to play and it's like how you uh, acquire users and just a totally different way of building and, and managing games. So to me, I think it's about identifying your strengths and then speak to those. Uh, and then if you can't identify your strengths, then you have identified a nice workshop for, for you and your team uh, sometimes in the future. Absolutely. I think with uh, with King as well, they've got a really good office and good games room. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Ascari, I guess uh, coming from there, it's like the smallest space with like four people. How do yeah. you gauge like bringing people in on, on that scene? Well, I think Johan answered pretty good on this. If you know the things in your game that are great, then you are proud of. I think you have to, to sell those things so good to the people that you're getting in. So... Absolutely. Um, but that's, yeah, that definitely has some really good points. Has anyone got any um, advice, I guess, uh, for Ascari on the, on the indie scene uh, in terms of, uh, you know, artistic ambition with, versus performance? <laughs> some knowledge from all the different uh, industry areas. All these Ooh. answers have, have been great so far. So thanks for general pointers. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't done it, but in my head, that's all about you being, it's your game. Yeah. What, what other, what other carrot do you need? Yeah. I, I think that's the, that's the appeal of the, in the title, right? You, you need to make it like, come here and make this game. Like it's your game too. Now I, I would kind of lean into that. I think. Absolutely. I think that kind of leans into, into your own question actually on, um, in terms of art and make something great. Uh, so if you want to pitch that. <laughs> This was kind of what popped into my head as soon as I heard about the uh, topic for, for the fall because I I, I read the, the title as it's like oh these da- these damned limitations uh, but then in my head it's more like can you actually create really good game art without any limitations or does does that uh, kind of just take you down a path to nowhere like do we need limitations or to uh, to improve and to to do better you probably you can right make make a, a good game art without limitations but but for for um, quite a while especially in the in the console world it's and i think it still is actually it's been the limitations has been a, a, a big part of the whole sort of at least the the marketing machine right is um we always wanted to make things that looked better and more impressive and we always we were always fighting against these limitations right an example is way, 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 way back when normal maps all of a sudden was a thing. Nobody really understood what they were and everybody was trying to do it and everyone wanted to just have normal maps in their games, right? Um, that was sort of a thing that was driving people, right, to um, to make something that looked more impressive and better. And and especially the games, some of the games we've been talking about today, the, the, the Call of Duty thing, right? What they do is they make a game that looks way more impressive than a lot of other games out there, right? And and they can still do that. Next year, they can still do something that looks even a bit more impressive than than, than what it is today, right? And I think a lot of the, it's actually the same that we do in our little simple endless runner, right? It's uh, the, the game that we make. It's been the same gameplay for the past 10 years, right? So we do set dressing, basically, right? So... The past two years, we've been looking at how can we actually make this look just a tiny bit better than a 10-year-old uh, mobile games, right? So the game itself is, hasn't really changed. Uh, it, it, it isn't really a better game, but hopefully 
the experience is 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 better, right? Because now it looks more impressive. Um, so so I think the I think you could make really really good games without too many uh, obstacles. But the the fact is that the obstacles are there, and yeah. and and it's. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really answered your question, Johan. <laughs> I think I sort of watched from a crash course a while ago with like uh, something in terms of limitations, uh, like workarounds to things. I think that's a very big part of, of game development is, okay, this is the obstacle, how do we work around it, right? Uh, I think it was like just a very simple one. If it's a static environment uh, with lighting, uh, paint the texture of lighting on sort of thing. Uh, I don't know what the actual technical term is for that, uh, but I'm sure that's something you've all come across at some point. Um, Oscar, you want to jump in there? Yeah, I think uh, this was this was a really good question. As I think I'm that kind of a dude who likes to do things that differs from things that I've seen before. But of course, all the things that I create comes from somewhere that I've seen or heard or read before. So the boundaries are always relative to the person who is creating those. I'm that kind of dude who likes to do some things that, you know, differs from things that I've seen or heard or read before. But of course, all all those things that I create come from somewhere that I've seen, heard or read before. So the boundaries are always relative to the person who is creating those unbounded things. That's definitely a really good uh, point that you made that I didn't actually consider that uh, leading up to that. Um, but I do really want to get uh, your insight where I coming from the, uh, the film background uh, as well uh, as gaming. Uh, what's your thoughts around uh, Yohan's question? Uh, my answer is probably not going to be popular with, with especially Johan. I actually appreciate limitations because without limitations, we're never going to deliver the damn game. Um, you know, if you give an art director an open canvas and say, you have absolutely zero lim- limitations, then nothing is ever going to get approved, and it's just going to constantly go further and further and further, and the game is going to end up costing uh, upwards of $250 to buy uh, on, on retail. Um, I am I wanted to like the challenge of taking those limitations that, that I've been faced with since PS2 and Prince of Persia, um, and and trying to get everything that I can out of the the, the crappy uh, console that I'm working with, uh, and, and and get the best damn animation and performance out of the animation that's possible. I say that, but you know, when I made Prince of Persia, I had never done game development in my life, and here I was trying to direct it. one of the best known games for animation, um, but we succeeded. But uh, this. To me, that was a, a really nice, uh, nice challenge, and I always, I'm always faced with these challenges, these challenges uh, of of limitations of performance, and and I always love to come out looking kind of looking kind of shiny and clean at, at the end because oh look what look what the team just did within these limitations. Absolutely, uh, and I think you can definitely see the uh, sort of film background from yourself there. Uh, this is a, a sort of point that was raised in a previous uh, podcast uh, around uh, filmmakers in gaming, around how, like, you know, historically film has always had its limitations from black and white uh, through to its like, aspect ratio and things, and that forced people to, to be creative. Um, so in a way, sort of my own answer to your answer question, rather, is uh, obstacles kind of uh, force creativity uh, on the, you know, the game developer or the, uh, the film director. Um 
Yeah, what, what's your kind of uh, take on everyone's answers there? Uh, no, I think it was still it was good overall. I, I, I think my my kind of personal take on it is, 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 is actually that similar to what you said, I think we need limitations uh, in order to get somewhere. I actually fully agree that if you have uh, you know, no no boundaries, typically end up nowhere. Uh, at least to me, I think some of the best work I've been a part of is, is when you had, you know, short deadlines so or you had a kind of clear remit on how much time the people you have. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it is I think it is important. I think the the, the I think the the X factor then is, is tech and tools. Like if you have tech and tools you trust and can work with, then you can do a lot. If you don't, uh, I think you will be in trouble. Let's hope there's no uh, like chief creative officers listening in on the podcast. You can throw some uh, obstacles for all the uh, art directors and artists out there uh, and the animation directors as well. Uh, but has anyone got any additional points or questions they thought of throughout the podcast that they want to ask now? Uh, forever hold your peace. No? All right, then. Well, I just want to take the time then, uh, yeah, to thank everyone here, uh, Wade and Skari, uh, Johan and Martin, for your insights uh, around the topic of artistic ambition versus performance limitations. It's been really interesting listening to all the different uh, takes of the different areas of uh, the gaming industry. Uh, and if you're listening at home and you want to jump in on a future episode, uh, just drop me a message on either LinkedIn or drop me an email on my very long email of adam.miller-betridge at evolution-nordics.com. And I'll, uh, I'll see you next time.